Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Well, it's good to be back with you this week as we continue in our series on Scripture. Last week, we dealt with the revelation of truth, and this week, we will move into the revelation of God. Now, I know that I say this often, but a lot of our series are built upon each other that we do, and obviously, we're in the Scriptures right now. We did prayer a few weeks back, um, but if you missed our episode on what is Scripture, that's the title of the episode done on March the 31st. Um, I'll time date it there for you so you can find it <laughs> for our listeners. Uh, I would encourage all of you to go back and to listen to that episode um, so you can get an overview of where we're going with this because I think that'll give you direction. You know, if you missed anything, um, go back and listen to that. Uh, and then listen to last week's, and now you listen to this one. Or if you listen to this one, then go back and listen to the other two. Right. It'll help kind of build upon one another. Uh, uh, folks need to understand that it's not enough to say, I believe the Bible. Right. The, uh, it is, in a sense. But there is underlying reality to that. So people need to see what, well, why. What does that mean, I believe the Bible? What does it mean that the Bible is real and true? And so, yes, that's why we're doing it the way we're doing it. Yeah, and, and last week we spoke on the revelation of truth, and so we're just going to move into the revelation of God. Now, that's a big statement <laughs> to make. <laughs> yeah, it's almost presumptuous. Um, it's a little bit presumptuous, you feel, but by the grace of God, we'll seek to delve into it uh, anyway. But... There's two things that are going to guide us in our conversation. One is the general revelation of God, and then the special revelation of God. These are two aspects of the revelation of God. So let's just jump in here, and let's talk about what is general revelation. Explain to our listeners what we mean by that, because if you're a believer, you're like, well, it's specific. It's God's Word. Right. What do you mean by general? Well, general, as the term indicates, means that all people have this revelation. And I do mean all people. For instance, if you read Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God in the expanse. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day under day utter speech, and night under night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. All humanity uh, gets general revelation. So... When we say that, there has – I think there's two aspects that kind of delve in under that. What are those two aspects of general revelation? Um, the first is conscience. That's the closest – that's the one that's closest to everyone. And real close to that is creation. So um, everyone has a God consciousness. Um, when – in Romans 1, which is it's a com, – uh, People who read their Bible, especially the New Testament, often will recognize this. But um, well, it's apologetic in nature. Romans one, right? So. And um, Paul says, uh, "For the wrath of God uh, is um, revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in or with or by unrighteousness, because." And so he's building an argument there because what may be known of God or about God is known, is manifest or made known in them, in them. For God has shown it to them, mm. in them. 
So here is the light of conscience. All humans have a God consciousness. Their consciences, yes, their consciences tell them there's a God to whom they answer. And so, as we discussed earlier, you and I, all humans who are not converted suppress the truth of God's righteousness. All humans do. Now, not all do it to the same degree or in the same way. You know, the philosopher who argues there is no God certainly is working harder to suppress. Yeah, his whole end is, is toward that. It's the truth of God. <laughs> but then – and the person who lives a – what we would call a godless immoral life, who – the man who sleeps with everything he can, everyone he can, or the woman, um, those people by their unrighteous deeds and, – and, and Paul goes on to describe that in the chapter uh, and to elucidate, to expand on that. But those folks are really working hard to suppress truth by their behavior and by their what they say. But all of us who – all people who do not know Christ as Savior, as Lord, suppress the truth of God and the reality of the God of Scripture, the righteous God of Scripture. Yeah, and I, I think I think that it's easy to see that just in as a child begins to realize when he's done something wrong. Um, he he looks at you real quick when he's done something wrong, right? You know, so you see that consciousness developing, in, or is in a child. Um, but then you see it even deeper as people across society try to eh, sugarcoat what they've done. Even though they admit what they've done is wrong, they kind of sugarcoat because they, they really don't want to feel that bad about themselves. Right. And so I think we see that idea or that working out of consciousness and our understanding of there is something bigger than us that's overseeing us. Um, we see that in society yes. and in our own families and our own life. Yes. If you read a, 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 it's a short book like in the New Testament, like Jude – what you see is a description of people who are working against a conscience that is Godward, that is right. not has a knowledge of God, and you see it in other places. So, that's the the front end. That's the the very first aspect of general revelation that all people have a consciousness of God because God has put it as this verse says in them. Which then I think naturally leads us to the next one because we have a conscience. Then we see the general revelation in creation. Right. And, you know, I quoted earlier um, Psalm 19, verses 1 and following. But also here in uh, Romans 1, uh, the writer says, uh, For since the creation of the world. Pretty clear. Yes. um, His invisible – this is interesting terminology – his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by what is made. Now, that's – his invisible attributes are are seen clearly by what is made, by creation, so that they are without excuse. Uh, Those who would say there is no God or who would live their lives as if there is no God, who would – Supposedly stand before God at the judgment and say, well, I didn't know, have no excuse. I think that explains to a great deal why such things as evolution and evolutionary type of thinking, even though I do know some Christian brothers who leave room for some of the time stamp type deals going on. But all that to say is, is I think 
when you see that, it's it's trying to deconstruct this idea of God because you have. It's interesting. You have to start with deconstructing creation in order to get rid of God. Because when you have creation, it's very clear that there has to be something bigger than ourselves outside of ourselves that did all this. The unconverted person has a vested interest in minimalizing the significance of God. Yeah. Some minimalizing by just saying he's not personal, he hasn't really spoken, he he doesn't care what I do, God doesn't care if I sleep around, God doesn't care if I do this. Uh, others minimalize God to the point that they say there is no God at all. Whatever that the way God is minimalized, the unconverted person has a vested interest in minimalizing the reality and significance of God. Hmm. And it's so true. So we've we've got the rev- the general revelation. That kind of leads us and begs us for a question. We can't just stay at general revelation. So what's next? How do we know more of this God, this revelation of God? How do we know that? Well, there's a saying among evangelicals, among theologues, and, and, um, and that is this, that there's enough revelation in creation and conscience to condemn a man but not enough to convict a man uh, or or condemn a man or a person, a human. Uh, I had a professor who, I remember we asked him that question about that, and he said, well, you just need to be careful of what he called epigrams, of sayings, <laughs> of, of easy sayings. But the truth is that people can look at creation and be without excuse, but they can't look at creation and see the gospel. They have to hear the gospel, and that's where special revelation comes And, and I think it's safe to say that conscience and creation should motivate them to pursue. I mean, okay, I see there's something here bigger than myself. Where do I find this truth? Where yeah. do I find more? Yeah. Look. Where yeah. do I look? Yeah. Right. Where do I look? Yeah. Good way so, to put it. So special revelation is God revealing specifically himself to man specifically. Um, and there are two aspects of that. One is that God has revealed himself in his Son. So we have two places where that's said very clearly, actually more than two, but two in particular come to mind. One is Hebrews chapter 1. God, who in various ways, different manners, has in time past revealed himself to the fathers by the prophets. And there's, there's revelation right there has in these last days spoken to us in a son, his son, uh, who being the brightness of the glory, of his glory, and the express image of his person, uh, who upholds all things by the word of his power, all these aspects of Christ, these attributes of Christ, reveal the Father, reveal God. In fact, what we know of God, we see in Christ. Hmm. And I think that's a good distinction, which then, which we talk about here on Crosstalk all the time, is this idea of the centrality of Christ. Yes. So even in amongst talking about Scripture, we cannot get away from the centrality of Christ. Yeah, I, I um, may have – we've been doing this for years now and done hundreds of episodes, so I may have said this before. Forgive me if I repeat myself. But I went to a uh, – when I was in college, I went to a revival meeting, and a professor from the seminary where I later went to study was preaching the revival meeting. And he, um, he brought out how that in Revelation – what we see, the person we see, the one we see coming out of the midst of the throne of God is the Lamb, as though he had been slain, 
well, which is Christ. Christ is the one we see coming out of God's throne. Mm-hmm. And he, he related an instance, another instance, in which a preacher said that when we get to heaven, we'll, we will see Christ. He is the God we see mm-hmm. because he is God in the flesh. And uh, people gathered around afterwards and uh, to ask questions. And he noticed one lady who seemed to be troubled. And so he, he said, may I help you? And she said, well, you know, I'm kind of disappointed. And he said, why is that? She said, well, I always thought when we get to heaven, we'll see God. And you said, we're only going to see Jesus. And and this other preacher said, ma'am, I can assure you, when you see Jesus, you won't be disappointed. We don't have a better revelation revelation of God. And the Son, in First John one, the following verses one and the following verses, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which our eyes have, which our hands have handled of the Word of Life, this is what we declare to you. So, um, in Psalm nineteen, if you read further than those first few verses, you read on into special revelation, and that's that's going to be Scripture. But but first of all. We see God, the Father, in the Son. Well, as we segue into Scripture being more special revelation, which is what we're talking about in this series anyway, I think it's important, and I made this note to you when we were preparing for this episode, that Christ through the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, I should say, the Gospels in particular, the narrative of his life, is always mentioning that this fulfills, you know, this portion of scripture or the law right. and prophets or whatever. And and he, Christ himself was bound by scripture. Right. I mean, one of the specific ones when he was there on the sa- Sabbath day in the synagogue and he stood up to read and he read a passage in Isaiah about himself and then he closed the book and said, today this is fulfilled in their ears. Yeah. And then they, they so believed what he said that they were ready to throw him over a cliff. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, this is uh, um You know, one of the passages that came to mind, too, before we move on to this next and final point is, you know, the disciples looked at Jesus and said, um, uh, Master, show us the Father, and it's, it will satisfy us. We'll be satisfied. <laughs> Just show us the Father. Right, right. And he said, uh, I don't remember which one it was, but he said, uh, have you been? Have I been so long with you, and you mm. do not know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And they were physically with him. Yeah, they yeah. didn't get it. They were, yeah. but they would get it, and we need to get it. Yeah, the Son. He who has seen the Son has seen the Father, which leads us to our next most important point. And you, you alluded to it when you talked about how Jesus fulfilled the Scriptures. This is done in order that the Scriptures might be fulfilled, because what we know of Christ, what we know of Christ, we know from Scripture. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything of Christ. Well, I guess we do have some secular history that refers to right. it, but we don't have any God-given knowledge of Christ apart from the Scriptures. And so the second aspect of this special revelation, we see God. God has revealed himself in his Son, and he has revealed himself in the Scripture. As I started to say, as I was moving a little prematurely toward that part of Psalm 19, after the the reference to general revelation and creation, then the psalmist says, the, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. 
The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. What is this? This is a description of special revelation, the Word of God. He was describing what they had at the time. We have more now. So the Scripture is the revelation of of God. God, if we see God in Scripture. If we want to know what God looks like, we look at Scripture. If we want to know what God is like, we look in Scripture. If we want to hear and speak audibly, as a brother in Christ said, we read the Scriptures. If we, exactly. If we want to know how Jesus reveals the Father, read Scripture. Read it. Meditate on it. Think upon it. You know, when second, in Second Peter, and this is how important Scripture is. So when we say, oh, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. But rem- Catch hold of the significance of what you're saying. When Peter described how that we were eyewitnesses of his glory when we were on the mount, and the father said, this is my son, and I'm well pleased, he said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. And then he refers to Paul later as Paul's writings as scriptures, and he talks about other scriptures. This is what this is how important the written word of God is. Well, I think it's interesting because one of the things that I've run into um, in my time of engaging with people on this issue of scriptures and in the relation to the Spirit of God leading and directing, there's often this idea, you know, why does we led of the Spirit? I want to be led of the Spirit. Or be spirit-led. What is the spirit saying? That's a heavy emphasis among many Christians. So much so that they, to the detriment of the authority of God's word and Scripture, mm-hmm. they would rather because have it's some, leading yeah, as a feeling. And we've talked about this yeah, before, right? But my point is, I think I want to challenge them on this next time because I'm kind of thinking through this in my mind. Uh, what I want to do is, is I want to say, so how would you know about the spirit if you didn't have the word of God? You yeah. wouldn't. You yeah. would not know about the Spirit of God, that third person of the Godhead, unless you read the Scriptures and knew about the Spirit and how he worked. Right. And therefore, the Spirit does not work outside of the Scriptures. It speaks to you in the sense of leading and guiding you, yes, maybe even prompting you in certain things, but only as it leads to Scripture, not the other way around. And I think that's that's a huge issue, and I think that's what we have to say is is that this special revelation of Scripture is that important. The Scriptures are primary; they are. And now, the you know, as we bring this to a close, that something a question comes up: um, Is the Bible a complete revelation of God? Mm-hmm. I, and I get that question a lot. And we need to know that it's also an argument used against just totally relying upon Scripture. Yes, but no words are adequate for a full revelation of an infinite God. Hmm. We'll spend eternity absorbing God's revelation of himself. I mean, eternity we will spend. Now, so is the biblical revelation of God complete? Well, yes and no. Insofar as what we need to know. It is complete (laughs) in that God has revealed all that he intends to reveal now, we have general revelation, but we have special revelation in Scripture. What we know of God in Scripture is what God wants us to know of Him in Scripture. But it's not complete in that there's nothing else to be known of God or about God. Well, there's much more to be known of God. That's what eternity is going to be to some degree, getting to know, learning more of the infinite God. We'll spend eternity learning of God. We can't think in terms of infinite. 
we you know we're so bound to time so much so that we're bound by the fact that we get hung up on the fact that the scriptures is not everything about god right and but it is <laughs> the scriptures are right. infallible yeah we'll talk about that more another time they are inerrant what they say of god is true it's just that god has not chosen now to reveal all of himself that's in fact if he did we wouldn't get it yeah you know and we won't get it for all eternity. It doesn't mean that eternity won't be good and complete and wonderful. No, that's going to be one of the great aspects of eternity. We will learn more and more of our great God. Can't wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't it's wait. Gonna, yeah. It's going to be a lot more absorbing than the yeah. stuff of this life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been good, and I hope for our listeners it's been good on this issue of the revelation of God, both general revelation, special revelation. And we'll just leave it at that, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter, at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Mm-hmm.